Welcome to episode 402 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, wedontdie.com, where you can always find all the past episodes, join our free Sunday gathering, and of course, attend one of our live on Zoom medium classes with our wonderful tutors, Carrie, Phil, and Scott. And by the way, if you are listening and you would rather be watching, just head over to YouTube and type in We Don't Die 402. Today, we have two fantastic returning guests. We haven't seen them on this show in a year, but of course, I see them just about every day online and through messages because they are two of my closest friends. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Carrie McLeod and Phil Dykes. They are longtime mediums. They are tutors. Their website is mymediumship.com. I have enjoyed live classes with them, doing on doing events online and in person. I've ridden roller coasters with them at Disney World. I've even enjoyed a a small cocktail or two with them. They visited my house here in Rhode Island. So they're two of my closest friends. And I thought it's time that we catch up with them, see what's going on, see what's cooking in their world. So Carrie and Phil, welcome back to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Let's pretend we haven't just seen you recently, but we haven't haven't seen you guys in a long while on here. We haven't seen Sandra either. So thank you for having us back. Yes, absolutely. You're welcome. I got all tongue-tied in the beginning because I'm like a little kid. I'm excited. We speak just about every day and it's wonderful. And it just hit me that a lot has happened in the past year And I just thought, man, it's time to talk to you again. Of course, we always have new listeners coming in. So if it's all right with you, I'd like to, first of all, if you guys could introduce yourselves a little bit, maybe a little bit about your past. We love to hear stories. We love to hear stories of why we can comfortably believe that life after death is real and that our loved ones are still around. And then we can catch up about what's What's happening? What's happening? Because I know there's lots of good things. So if I can turn it over to you guys, tell us a little bit about you so they don't have to go back. Absolutely. Well, where do we begin? My name's Philip Dykes, and I've been working as a medium for over 25 years now, and I thoroughly love it, and I'm so excited still to work as a medium. Um, It's what I do, it's what I love, and it's what I live and breathe. Um, And doing it the right way is really important. My background is coming from the spiritual churches, um, but I took that um, experience and I've taken it out into the world. I've worked all over the UK, all over Europe and into Americas, um, talked into um, different radio stations, um, presenting, working as a medium, done TV series, uh, Netflix, all kinds of things. And we're in the middle of making another documentary. So I don't know what else to say. That's great. You're fabulous. You've been at it a long time. And of course, you two are the only ones I trust to host our medium classes. So, mm-hmm. Carrie, over to you. Well, I've come from a very similar background as Phil through the spiritual centres and churches of the UK, initially from that um, spiritualism view 
and have had my eyes opened as I've developed and as I've grown. I've questioned, I've explored, I've been curious. And that, in a way, is what has got me here. There's no part of my journey wasted. And I would say that to everybody on a spiritual journey, there's no part of the journey wasted, even though sometimes it feels like we're not getting where we want to go or or learning what we want to learn. So for me, it's been that questioning, that exploring through different religions, different understandings, questioning the spirit world myself. I have a very scientific mind. So I was always looking at why? Why does it happen? Why am I not mad when I'm speaking to people who I can't see? Why are people saying, yes, that's my loved one when I'm working? So as I moved through, I began to demonstrate, began to do private readings. I was um, lucky enough to step into the the shoes of a gentleman now in the spirit world called Jock MacArthur, who moved his own mediumship to one side to run a spiritualist church in Scotland. And I took over from him when he passed to the spirit world. Now, for anybody who runs a centre or runs anything on a voluntary basis, it can kind of take over your life. I remember Jock saying to me, there will come a point where you will have to leave this centre because it will have a detrimental effect on your mediumship. And of course, I knew better. No, I didn't. He did. And so I moved away from there. And at that time, in fact, exactly at that time, the world began to open up. I spent 20 years doing private readings, demonstrations, um, Sunday services, divine services. And the minute I stepped away from being in service within spiritual centres, The world opened up for me, literally, Europe, North America, South America, Asia, soon to be Australia and New Zealand, but definitely all of those places online. Nothing happens by chance. Synchronicity is a beautiful thing and it always tells us that we're on track. So I've been lucky enough to have the spirit world point me in the right direction. I've always had to take the opportunity. Nobody makes it happen for Nobody made it happen for me, but there was that trusting within me that it would all work out. And here I am, Mm. a year since we've been on We Don't Die, but five years since this journey with We Don't Die began. That's the incredible part. Absolutely. And like I said at the beginning, there's been fun involved too. I think, and I think you guys agree, once we're on the path. I think we get rewarded with just the right people in our life that can help not only share our message, but have fun. Because the truth is, I've never found friends like you guys. I mean, I've lived a life of just being kind of solitary, not trusting. And to now find this niche, or it found me with my journey of the afterlife. It's like, Sandra, you've worked hard you guys and uh, Scott and Darren as well, just let's have, let's give you some great friends. You can all work together. You can get the message out further. So I couldn't be more grateful to have you in my life, not only sharing what we believe in, but you know, we have had some good talks. You've helped me on my spiritual journey and we've had a lot of fun together too. 
we certainly have. But I think you've said something there that is really true, because when we develop as a medium or anything that has our interest, I think it is a solitary life. And I think friends are few and far between. But when you meet somebody that is that true friend, you stick with them. And you certainly are, Sandra. And we trust you beyond belief. But I think we learn as we grow from the experiences we have, because you said you didn't trust many people. Well, I think that goes for all of us watching this as well. We don't trust, but we we learn to trust. We learn to see other people's perceptions of life. We start to really understand them and we start to learn from them. And it helps our dictionary, if you will, of experiences and emotions, understanding them to live that truer life and and better life at at times. Mm -hmm. And each person has their own story that brings them to today. And those stories, some of them will be great memories and others, we might not want to have a memory of it too quickly again because we want to leave it in the past. But every story shapes us and we have such experiences with people like your listeners, people who come to the We Don't Die events, people who join us on the Sunday gathering. We have so many experiences and stories through their lives being shared with us that enriches our lives beyond belief sometimes. I think there has been at least one thing every week without lie that when we've been having a particularly terrible week or a really tough day or we've all got those moments where we just want to pull the doobie back over our heads and just go back to bed and sleep for the day when we open an email or a message or we get some sort of card through the door or there's a message from yourself or a voicemail message from somebody else that reminds us why we're doing it and it can be the simplest thing that just gets us back in touch with what we're doing and why we're doing because what can happen and I'm as guilty as the next person can get a little bit entrenched in my own life and a little bit insular till I forget there's a life out there and that takes me out of touch with why I'm doing things so everybody matters in some way and I know you say everybody matters but genuinely they do We don't know what difference we're making for we, as in you and I, you at home, don't know what difference we make for people because we often don't get to hear the feedback. That's true. In a moment, I'm going to ask Carrie and Phil why they do it, why they do mediumship. But if you're listening or viewing right now, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. One is, do you believe that there are things in the invisible space? Do you believe that? Or are you somebody who believes you have to see it for it being real? Do you believe there's something in the invisible space? And the other question I want to ask you is, do you think you're too old to learn? You know that phrase, you can't teach an old dog a new trick. Are you willing? Are you open that in this episode, there could be something new that you didn't know of before? And you could really explore the possibility that there's something really great in the unseen world around you, this invisible space. So I'm just kind of planting that seed and through the course of our time together, let's see where that goes. I'm just asking you to be open. 
How's that? So now I'd like to ask Carrie and Phil, why do mediumship? You can do all kinds of jobs, but here you are trusting the invisible space to give you information to give to other people. It's risky. People have questions. Is it real? Yet that is your passion. That's what you do. Why do it? I have to trust that I'm here for a reason. And I know there's a quote by Mark Twain that says there are two most important days in our lives, the day we're born and the day we find out why. I was always searching for my why. And for me, it has to be something to do with mediumship because every other door to what I could be doing closed. I left a full-time, well-positioned, well-paid job in the corporate world, didn't fit me anymore. I started my own company. There were customers coming through the door, but it didn't fulfill me. And then the phone stopped ringing. And then around about that time, I met somebody, you might have heard of him. His name is Philip Dykes. And we started talking about how do we know whether the spirit world is giving us a calling? And if they're giving us a calling, how do we determine that we actually want to answer it? Because working for the spirit world isn't necessarily something we must do. There's always a choice there. So just because the spirit world opens a door to work for them, to serve them, to work our mediumship, doesn't mean we have to do it. So it was a big risk for me to trust to work in that area of mediumship with the spirit world. But everything else seemed to disappear. And then for a period of time, we had lots of trips. We were working abroad. We were working together. We were getting married. We were in, getting entrenched in the relationship even deeper. That's where that bump came from. <laughs> And then it became apparent that there's nothing else I'd rather do. So on the days where I feel I want to do VD, I have to remember how blessed I am. Not because the spirit world picked me because there's nobody else that can do it. I don't believe that. But the spirit world offered me the opportunity and I took it. So I have to keep on showing up. I have to keep on trusting what my belief is, what my faith is, what my why is. And when I stop getting in touch with that, and I sometimes feel, I might begin to feel a little bit jaded and a little bit like, no, I need a hundred DVDs. Then I firmly believe I'll have a look at why I do what I do. But until then, and I'm not sure if that will happen or when it will happen, until that day, I keep doing what I'm doing because it feels right. It seems to make a difference for people. It certainly makes a difference for me. I've become a better person through it. I've begun to understand the world in a different way. I've become less attached to the material world. I've begun to look at relationships and people slightly differently for good and for for the less good. I was going to say bad. Um, I can't imagine doing anything else. doesn't mean it's easy, but I love what I do and it feels the right thing for me right now. And I do believe I'm a medium that's meant to be working for the spirit world. Mm. 
Beautiful I can remember, I think it was on the 11th of August, 2015, I walked so out. today. Oh, wow. Didn't even realise. So that, that's an anniversary, isn't it? So I walked out of my day job because um, it didn't fit me anymore. It wasn't right for me. I didn't feel comfortable. All of a sudden, I just, it was 11 o'clock in the morning. I just said, I've had enough. I, I've been working as a medium alongside my day job for some time, traveling the length and breadth of the United Kingdom. Um, and I had no intention of, I always dreamed and wished I could work for the spirit world, but I had no intention that day of saying, that's it, I'm going to work professionally for the spirit world. I walked out of a, as Kerry said, a very well-paid corporate job and I started to wonder what to do next. And within a few hours of being at home, uh, the phone rang and um, I was offered work in Europe. And I thought, okay, this is the next step. And as soon as I got back, literally within the day, the phone rang again, would I go back to Europe to a different place? And that's how it all started. And if I'm honest, we wish we could work for the spirit world. We dream of working for the spirit world as we develop but we never truly believe it. So the answer that I can probably say to everybody is, if those opportunities come along, as Kerry's talked about, take them. You never know where they'll lead you. Because from those few phone calls, I've never stopped working. And I firmly believe, and it is my choice to work for the spirit world, but I believe that I was chosen by the spirit world. And it's having that understanding with what the spirit world's told me that it's what I'm meant to do. And the medium's job isn't just about providing evidence um, of a loved one surviving, but it's educating people. It's getting the word out there, planting a seed in people's minds, whether they're cynical or sceptical, for their own journey. A medium can never convince somebody. It's only the person themselves. And evidence, I hear people asking me, what is good evidence? Well, again, you'd have to ask yourselves what you would consider good evidence, because everybody's different. Everybody's unique. Some people have very emotional and personal ties to people in the spirit world. There's a lot of grief tied there, and it's all those personal memories. Um, and some of the experiences I've had over time have made me really look at mediumship in a different way, not as just the medium working, providing evidence, but actual the soul's growth, what we're here on this planet, on this time of life, in this time of life, to learn, to progress, to have empathy, to understand other people as they grow. And I think part of our job is to gain that experience and take it back to that unseen world, those group of people that we work with called inspirers or guides. For me, they're a soul family and we share experiences of life. So I think when I look at my journey, I've been extremely lucky, extremely lucky to be able to do the work that I do, to travel to different parts of the world, to share truths, to listen to people's truths. And again, a lot of things that I've learned and as that medium is that a lot of work goes on behind the scenes, pastoral work, listening to people, talking with people, sharing time. And it's those insights that help me as that medium. So would I do anything else? Absolutely not. 
Will I carry on doing it to the day I die? Will I be the best medium ever? Probably not. But I'll always put my heart, my soul into it because it's something I believe does far more good than what we see daily in and out in demonstrations, private readings. I think the spirit world influences our lives in many, many ways. And again, I repeat, I'm very lucky. I never look at this as a day job or as an employment or as a profession. It's a, it, it very much something that is close to my heart, very passionate about. And it's those truths that really keep me going, interested. And like I say, until the day I pass, I, I think I'll be working as that medium. Oh, thank you both so much. Well, we have people listening right now who have been with us for the past nine years since episode one. But we also have people, this is their first time here with us. And yeah, people say you have a good experience with mediums, some not so good. Um, you know, I always make the joke, like my mother says, what do you call the person graduating at the uh, bottom of their class at medical school? And the answer is doctor. So just because somebody has a title doesn't mean they're the real deal, which we've found, I think, in every field we have that. But as we do have some new listeners to us today, what would you offer to them that really hope their maybe son or daughter or spouse or grandparent or loved one is is really in the spirit world that they're still alive? Could you tell maybe some of your favorite stories of either readings that you've gotten or ones that you've done or things that you've witnessed, just to let us know that they're still here? Where would we start? There's probably a book we could write on this, but we wouldn't because it's each reading is so individual that there are so many um, different stories out there. And that's something we have to say, first of all, every reading should be as unique as your loved one. We hear so many readings given by mediums with basic detail, basic pieces of evidence that are perhaps relevant to so many different people around about the world. There are pieces of evidence such as salt of the earth, or he had such a lovely sense of humour, or he had a very youthful character about him, or he had a young, he was younger than his years. Those statements are, are general and to the sceptic, maybe that's you. You hear them said about um, somebody else's loved one, and you think, yes, what's specific about that? So it's as we get into the specifics about each communicator that we begin to get the individuality. I remember when this year, when we were in Santa Fe, one of the first readings that I did, and I got it actually because Phil was fully booked. The person actually wanted Phil because somehow they thought this communicator would be better suited to fill but you had no space I had one space left and the mother came to me it was um this must have been in June this year the mum came for a reading and she started to speak to me I said please don't tell me anything about who you think you want to hear about please don't tell me anything about the evidence that you want to hear from me I need you to leave here knowing that everything came from me, which is why Phil and I and you always say, please only say yes, nor I don't know. Otherwise, you as the sitter begin to question the evidence you've been given. 
you'll you'll look for every reason. If you're a skeptic or cynical, you'll look for every reason to be cynical or skeptic. They read my face, they read between the lines, or I gave them information. So after I gave this um, mother the instructions for the reading, I started to unfold the evidence that her son was giving me. I knew her son was recently departed from this world. I spoke about the motorbike that her son had been on, the make of the motorbike. Now, I don't I don't know very many makes of motorbikes, but the name of the motorbike also was relevant to a name of somebody in the family or a family name. The road that the son passed on, the time of day the son passed on, what he actually did as a career, why he was coming through to ease the pain of the mum, but to also ease the worry because his brother, younger brother, was taking up the same hobby as him, which contributed to his passing. So there's all this worry happening. And after a while, I recognised that the son had not been in the spirit world for very long, a matter of weeks, in fact. Now, ordinarily, Phil and I wouldn't do a reading for somebody whose relative, especially a child, was so recently departed from this world and was now in the spirit world. But within the medium, we have to sense whether there is a need more than just a grief needing sorted, resolved, eased. This was more than that. The mum needed to know that he still survived because her own faith had been shaken. Her own belief had been knocked. And with the evidence that was given, she left knowing that her son was actually in the place that she thought he was and that it was her son she was feeling close to her. It was her son that was leaving her those tiny signs that she was experiencing. That is something that many relatives and especially parents strive for and wait for and hope for. Not every parent gets it. Not every parent has that um, experience of the private reading with that level of evidence. I have to say it wasn't necessarily down to the medium. It was down to the son. It was down to the mother. It was down to everybody else in the spirit while bringing that power and that understanding to be able to meet a need. The medium should never become bigger than the message. And this message was about, I'm here. I survive. I still exist. I'm giving you signs. I'm giving you the feeling that I'm there. And that brought such a relief. It didn't ease the pain. And we should say no reading can ever ease the pain, losing a child or a loved one to the spirit world. And we should never have a belief or an expectation that it can. In some instances, it can do more damage than it can heal the moment. But in this case, it reassured this mum that her son was about and that he was communicating through the medium opposite her and that he was going home in a new form with her to her house. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you.
Yeah, yeah it, the ones that really stick out to me, the readings over many, many years, are the unusual ones, the ones that are a little bit different, were people talk of an intelligent world and how readings happen quite naturally. And I remember I'm going back over a decade and because it was one of the first times that a reading really unnerved me um, where a gentleman rung up. He made a, an appointment with me uh, for a few months time. And um, what he did was give me a false name because let's be honest, people are sceptical. They think, oh, I've got time to research. And no, we don't. Believe you me, we don't. And, and it doesn't serve a purpose. So I turned up at this property. I knocked on the door and um, this lady answered the door and asked for the gentleman. They said, no gentleman by that name uh, lives here. And she was a little bit shirty with me. And I said, well, he rang up and he, he, he made me come to this address. And I showed and she said, OK, my husband's just passed. Would you come in? And I thought, oh, so it was unexpected. But the gentleman who passed was the gentleman that rung for the reading and gave me the, he had a terminal disease. And he knew he wasn't be, going to be here. So I did the reading and the lady said, we, we talked about mediums and he made me a promise. Well, in the reading, that promise came through. What he said he was going to deliver, how he was going to put it. It brings people joy because I saw a lady that was in grief, that was really not the most welcoming to me, as I said, what I did and why I was there. But at the end of the evening, she said, I don't know what you did but you've lifted everything off me, the pain, the grief. I know my husband's still around. He's got those memories. He's bringing his love through. And with her mentioning a few things, as we do in grief, maybe to those that have passed before us and left us behind, those things were mentioned. And it let her know that he's still with her. So it's those unusual ones for me that really hit home by unusual evidence, unusual circumstances, but it shows in our moments where we're at our lowest how the spirit world is still around us, watching over us. And, and there's many readings like that we, we've done, even in demonstrations where we've said, we've got the person here with us and the person said, no, I've left them. And I said, you'll find a message on your phone that you need to ring home. And they've, they've, in the demonstration, they've gone and done that and they've come up and hugged us afterwards and said, that is the person you've just said and they've just literally passed so it's those that really stand out, how our loved ones make that effort in that moment to reach out and let the loved one know that they're okay, that they've passed, that they have no pain, that they're not in turmoil, they're not lost, they're here still living, wanting to comfort. And it's their choice, their choice to communicate and their evidence, how they come forward. So it's those unusual ones, those moments where I feel uncomfortable but I know the evidence I've got I know the person that's with me and it's those that not just help the person with a form of healing or inspiration but also helps the medium develop and understand more what mediumship is really about it's about inspiring the living inspiring the living to live on to live their best life to know that they're still loved, watched over, and still being cared for, and, and in a way being provided for emotionally as well. That reminds me of a reading I did for a gentleman, and I knew him and I knew his wife. They used to come to the church that um, I was involved in. We're going back some years now, it must be about 
oh, showing my age, about 20 years ago. And he had a terminal cancer. He knew he had a terminal cancer. I knew he had a terminal cancer. And he came for a reading with his wife. Now, I ordinarily wouldn't do readings when couples are there because what happens is if somebody wants to speak to the wife, that you're not going to miss that opportunity. But in this case, it went as planned and the reading went to the husband. And the husband's father made himself known. There was evidence that put beyond doubt that this man's father was in the spirit world. There was names there. There was experiences there, memories of holidays, memories of how the father had passed. And then I knew that the father was giving me the sense that he was on the wrong medication. Now, anybody who is trained with us would know that if it were fillery, we're left with an ethical dilemma because we don't diagnose, we don't predict, and we don't um, go into giving advice. So we had, I had to find a way of giving that over. So what I said to the wife and the husband was, your father's given me a feeling that maybe a little visit back to your consultant wouldn't go amiss. And it was just left at that and I carried on with the reading. Well, I got a phone call the next week from the wife to say, my husband has been to see his consultant and he's on the wrong medication. Had he stayed on that, his medication, his life would be much shorter. His medication has now been changed and he got longer than what he was initially um, diagnosed with or predicted to have. Now, we have to be very careful with the evidence that we give. We have to be very careful with how we share that. But Phil said there about it's about inspiring the living. That was dad's intention to not focus on how long he had, to, but to focus on living a full life. The whole reading was about the times they shared together, the memories, the legacies, what they had achieved in business and in the family where they were going, their, their loves, their passions, their aspirations. His dad's whole evidence was around about, you got to live, you got to make the most of what you've got. And afterwards, after the husband had passed the spirit world, um, his wife came for a reading. And in that reading was some of the most touching evidence I've ever been privileged to share. Things I didn't know, personal incidences, personal experiences that I would never have known. And that gave the wife the reassurance that her husband had got to the spirit world safely, was with his dad, was with the family pets. It didn't take away her grief. She still had to wake up every day with an empty side of the bed. She still had to go through every single day, not having somebody that she could turn to and say, oh, you never guess what's happened today that didn't take away that pain but what it did was reassure her that her husband was okay and no longer in pain and that's the power of a reading doesn't take away the grief but it gives a reassurance or at least plants a seed that inspires people to continue to live absolutely and I think sometimes we Sandra we get lost 
in that grief and and it, it's it's not a place none of us want to be and it's certainly not a club we want to be in when we lose a loved one and we have when we're going through that grief but again a, a, a reading i remember again many years ago it reminded me how we should celebrate lives we should really remember the good times because more often than not when the spirit or when that person that loved one comes forward they're sharing happy memories deliberately to inspire us to lift us to remember the good times to remember the qualities of who they are and i remember doing a reading for a young lady and um her dad came through and i thought wow you're so young to have a dad in the spirit world and and as a father my heart went out to her and I could tell with her and the rest of the family in the house, they, they weren't in a good place. He'd not passed that long ago. But then dad came in and dad presented his life and he completely changed the atmosphere in the household. People were laughing. People were talking and said, oh, remember this, remember that. And they were, they were walked down memory lane and they were remembering other things that I hadn't mentioned because uh, I talked to them afterwards. But I remember the father, and as a medium, we're always careful about how we say things and how we do things. And we're getting to really get into the essence of that loved one and bring them alive and talk and tell their story. And there was one point where I stalled and everyone just sort of looked at me because they knew I had something different. You could tell with the look on my face, there was something unique. And I remember I said, uh, your dad had a tattoo. And I said, um, but I know it wasn't done by himself. It was done on a drunken night by his friends. And he started laughing. And I said, and they said, yeah, that's correct. I said, but all I keep on seeing is your dad's posterior, dad's bottom. I said, as a man, I don't really want to see that. I said, but it's got two W's on. It's got a W on either side. And I went, wow. And I went, oh, my God. And this just roared with laughter and said, that's why you had these friends did it. They put a W on one side, a double, and there's a little thing in the middle that gives it wow sort of thing. And, and for me, that was unique evidence. But as you're all laughing, and I can see Sandra's place, eyes now nearly cut, that's exactly what happened. The spirit world are living and they bring the extraordinary evidence in that lifts us. And as you can see, we're, we're being quite serious, but I've got Kerry laughing, I've got Sandra laughing, and hopefully you guys at home are laughing. But it shows the deliberate evidence by the spirit world to lift a family from grief and it was later on I was talking to them and, and the brother was there and he said well if you were that good you'll tell me what I was doing before you came and I said well next time you play the xbox make sure you're wearing clothes and, and, and he just went bright red and, and he said that's my dad all over he come out with that and, and they all turned to me is that true and it went yeah and I said, that's that, that's that intelligence, how the spirit world can uh, can show us and do things at the time. Not every reading's like that. Not every personality is like that in the spirit world. If they're quiet, they are going to be quiet. If they're extraordinary and an extrovert, they are going to be extraordinary and extrovert. Every reading is, is individual and different. And and. Times can be solemn. Times were stuck in that grief. And, and the moments in other readings were evidence comes through that you put a letter in your dad's coffin or your mum's coffin. And, and some personalities will turn around afterwards and say, well, thank you for the letter. But it would have been better if you put my cigarettes in there and a bottle of beer. And it's hilarious at times, the evidence they give you, because they'll turn around and say, well, that's just my dad. That's typical or typical of that person. So it's not just 
the evidence. It's how the evidence is brought forward with the personality, with the character, and, and all those traits that we have as a human being. I mean, I hope when when I go to the spirit world and my daughter or my one of my two sons or even Kerry has a reading, where my true essence is brought through. I, I'm a serious, I, I love what I do, but I've also got a sense of humour. I feel sorry for the medium. Oh, I'd be a nightmare. I'd be saying, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. I'd be, yeah, you're not the medium for me. I'd be an absolute nightmare. But um, we've got to be true to the communicator. And, and sometimes it can be difficult because the things they say, mm-hmm. I'm not easily shocked or embarrassed, but on these occasions, things that have been brought through, things that have... I'm on like it's it's like it's got to be true. It's not in my mind. It's not a creation. And I find out it's right. And but how it changes people's perception of life and in that moment of grief. Because there was one. Um, it was on a demonstration, and I do believe I was in Scotland. I don't know if you were there or not. You'll be able to um, confirm it. But I was doing a reading, and it was in a place where. You wouldn't ordinarily think about evidence coming in that would be of this style. I got a gentleman. He was a soldier in Iraq. He passed in Iraq. I had three soldiers sat next to each other in um, the, the chairs in the audience. And as I was working, I began to sense this comradeship, this sense of belonging And that in itself isn't evidence because anybody who's been in the military knows the sense of togetherness and brother and sister and together and supporting one another. But then what he proceeded to tell me and show me and share with me were the places that they went with their um, feather boas and their funny hats and their scantily clad bodies. And the jokes they used to play on one another and the skinny dipping and running away with the clothes. Are you sure you're in the army? <laughs> um, and how the gentleman in the spirit world, how his uniform had been separated out. One part of the family had his boots. One, mem- one member of the audience had his jacket. One member of the audience knew another member of the family had his box with the small bits and pieces in it, how another member of the audience had his hat and how something funny had happened at this gentleman's funeral, how there were words spoken by his superior that that was very stern and how the next gentleman had got up and spoken and it had been hugely hilarious and wasn't well received by the man superior. All of that evidence is about sharing the lighter side of life. And sometimes we can get so engrossed in grief because you and I know, those of you at home and the three of us know, grief is profound. Whether you're walking into that preemptive grief, whether you're dealing with that immediate grief, whether you're dealing with the grief that comes after the loss, whether you're dealing with the grief that shows up every now and then and cuts you to the quick as if it were yesterday that the loss had happened, we can become very immersed in that. Isn't it 
no surprise then that our loved ones, our friends, our colleagues come in to say, yeah, you're treating me like a saint. I wasn't a saint. Remember when? Remember when I did this? Remember when I did that? It is so lovely to be part of that memory. And Phil and I always share that it's almost as if we're part of the family or part of that experience, because that's truly how it feels for that period of time. We get brought into that very personal moment and that personal experience that sometimes it can be quite funny. It can be. And I think as all of you are listening, you'll hear that the contacts we've talked about are completely different from each other. That's how a medium should work. Every contact that they deliver in a demonstration or gallery readings or however the term you want to call it, even private readings, should be different and should be unique and individual. And it's something that we look at and we look at that intelligence that works with us. And some of the contacts that we've done over the years, the readings that we've done are very unique, very individual and different. And, and some leave us a little bit uncomfortable. Some leave us in absolute fits of laughter and some leave us in absolute, absolute tears of emotion and, and love because a good contact should come, should have or combine within it objective evidence, facts, details that cannot be denied. But there should be an emotion, there should be a presence and a feeling within it that, that warms everything up uh, uh, as well. Um, and, and with Kerry talking about that contact, and I know I was working with Kerry this particular night and we were demonstrating in a particular church. And sometimes we really get into the essence of that person and we forget who we are. And on this occasion... I forgot who I was um, because all of a sudden I, 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 it, the communication stopped and I had all this large audience in front of me and I looked at Kerry, Kerry with sheer panic. What am I doing here? I'd been in that altered state, but deeper state of trance. But afterwards, the, the, the mother that came up to me and said, that's the best reading of my life, not just because you gave me the facts, but you brought my son's sense of humour and how he would do things and how he just was. And and her words were, he wasn't the brightest shilling in in life. He wasn't the brightest bulb in life. But actually, as she explained what I'd said to her, it it was very unique because the way he died was tragic and and, and really awful. Um, But actually, the way that he presented it and how he made a joke of it and how he used the evidence to lighten not just his mother but the whole audience watching was incredible so the spirit world don't just want to come back and give you that undeniable love and evidence and inspiration they also want to uplift the other people listening listening and watching as well. And a good demonstration, you should be captivated, you should be engrossed, you should be following the story. And there's been many times we've worked together where people have come up and said, oh, we're coming back next week because we want the rest of the story. We're like, it doesn't work like that. It's not a novel, it's not a television programme. But but actually people, are in a, in a way, it's, it's complementary because we know people that don't get the contact actually can follow the story of life and and gain comfort and, and understanding and knowledge that the loved one and sometimes when we work we have other people in the audience listening to other people's content in tears it gives them so much love upliftment it brings a lot of comfort to them as well so even though we talk about these stories we talk about these readings 
it's not just the evidence that touches us it's the story of life and when we're in the essence of that loved one and we're telling that story for those few moments we're living their life we're seeing life through their eyes we're really understanding and as a medium and we, we teach this in the classes you will never be the same spiritualism and mediumship should come with a health warning saying i'm going to change i'm going to evolve i'm going to grow because people around about you will say why are you not how you used to be why are you changing yeah because i mean that's something we also bring in the classes where where we ask the question a participant or um where we say to them lift your hand up if your friend friend group of friends have changed and all the hands go up because we're not better than anybody else. We're just growing. We outgrow things and we're seeing life differently. So these contacts we've talked about have changed ourselves and there's many others, some that we'd love to talk about, but some of them are a little bit too gruesome or gory or or the evidence mm-hmm. is not suitable for, but it, it, the, the true, and, and this is the thing, it, it, it affects us and we carry those images and feelings and the things that we live in that moment with us all all through our lives and that's something when we see something that is particularly graphic we won't share that in a private reading we would share slightly more but we'd never share it in a public meeting or a public platform or with a large audience because it then becomes entertainment and we'd never want somebody's passing of the details for the sake of evidence to become entertainment. So a medium has to remain on the correct side of integrity, of ethics, using a, a moral compass, that ethical dilemma that happens inside of us. We know we've crossed it because we get that sense in our stomach that says, oh, I'm not sure if this is the right thing to do. A medium has to heed that because we might be looking for the great evidence or the fantastic experience. But actually, we have to remember the person in front of us is usually grieving. And if they haven't come for a mediumship reading and they're looking for a psychic reading, they've normally turned up because there's a loss of another kind happening. Loss of a house, loss of a job, loss of earnings, loss of self, loss of a relationship, loss of their children because their children are moving away. There's always a loss there. It might not be a loss of somebody to the spirit world. So we have to be incredibly vigilant to be respectful to whatever's happening in that person's life and not become flippant or nonchalant about how we're we're dealing with our mediumship. And we see it. Not always, but we have seen mediums be a little bit too much on the flippant side or a little bit, we would say, milking the evidence where they should have stopped a good few moments ago, but they keep going. And that's just the need of the medium. That's not the need of the communicator. The communicator, the loved one, the relative in the spirit world gives the evidence. But we have to get to a point where we check that evidence and look at the scenario that we're in and recognise that I don't need to share all of this. Because Phil's correct, we see and feel so much when we're working with somebody who's passed to the spirit world. If they've passed with natural causes, when they've passed with diseases or illnesses, 
when they've passed, when their life has been taken, or they have taken their own lives, or there is some other unknown misdemeanor that's taken place. We sense that, we feel that, we understand that, we experience that. Because it's shared with us, that doesn't mean we have to use it as evidence in a public meeting or with a large audience. Again, in a private reading, I would share a little bit more, but not to the point where I'm causing distress to the person in front. And certainly not with an intention of me looking good at how much evidence I can get. We have to be very respectful about the role we have in that contact. Can I just jump in there for a second? Something I want to address while Kerry's just mentioned that. As a working medium, and I think I can say this safely, every medium out there wants to get good evidence and they want the contact to be really, really good and spectacular and everybody watching to think, wow, that was wonderful. We all want that. There's part of it within all of us. we, We want to do that. But actually, to be the medium, you've got to get past that because... The little old granny that wants to come forward to say, I love you. The quiet person, the man from next door that knew you and was always quiet, also has a right to communicate. Every contact is individual. So not all contacts will be these spectacular things in demonstrations. They will be heartwarming. They will bring comfort. They will change people's lives. They will inspire people. But I'll go back to what I said originally, right at the beginning. We don't know what is good evidence. And the best thing we can do to be the best medium is to deliver what that loved one wants to say in that moment and do our best to understand what they want to say. Whether that makes me look good or Kerry look good is irrelevant to us. It's about their words. It's between two people. We are the middleman that's trying to share things in the most integral way to show that they're alive that they're still wanting to talk that they've chose to come forward because they love one there's not always a message it's just to say we're here we're knowing what you're going through just that little bit of support can change someone's whole day whole week whole month whole whole year i can still remember the first contact i ever got it was life-changing still sits with me today. And I remember the medium who delivered it. I remember the evidence that was given to me. And I know the point where I stopped being sceptical and I started to believe all within that reading. So if we do our jobs properly, that shows the effect we can have on people. So that's why we're very passionate. We take our work very seriously. And in the classes where we teach, that standard is always there. We try and get in every breakout room. We try and instill all these things in people because we know that we're not going to be around forever. But we know you guys watching, you're going to pick up the mantle. You're the ones that are going to be the ambassadors for the spirit world in the future. We can say, these two British people, they said this, and then you'll share truth. Yes. I just want to clear something up, and then I want to talk about the classes because I really do believe whether people want to be a medium or not to just have that experience that you learn how your psychic faculty works and you're able to learn to do that and work in the breakout rooms. And then when the mediumship takes place and you're working with someone's loved one, you do, you feel like you are that loved one and you feel the love. So I think it's a really good thing for everybody to experience just so you know that 
this stuff is real. But going back, if the spirit person shows something unpleasant, perhaps how they passed, they're just showing that to say, this is me. This is what I'm showing you. They are healthy, well, whole, complete, well in the spirit world. They're not holding on to that pain. Could you just talk about that? Absolutely. Because we are evidential mediums, we need evidence that denotes how they lived and how they passed, if they want to share how they passed. So imagine we're all in the spirit world and we had the most pleasant passing you could ever have. And you wanted to relay that to somebody still here. You would have to have a memory of what that was like, not the passing into the spirit world stage, because we'll all have our own impression about what that is. But the people that were around about you or the moment where you felt a little bit of pain or the moment that you tried to speak, but you couldn't, or the moment you felt somebody holding your hand, but you couldn't acknowledge that person. That sadness that you felt at having to leave your family early because you had a disease, perhaps. In order to relay that to a medium like Phil or myself, you would have to remember that so that we perceive it. Doesn't mean you live in a world where that continually exists and is on your mind. It means you have to momentarily re-enter into the memory of what happened. So when something gruesome happens or somebody's passed in the spirit world in a way that isn't pleasant, but it matters to your loved one in the spirit world to share that, your loved one in the spirit world has to momentarily remember that for us to perceive it through their emanation, their story, their picture, their feeling. And then once we've got it, it's gone. The memory's gone. They don't have to hold on to it any longer. So that's how we perceive things, the, how they passed, their loves, their lives, their likes, their hates, their pain, their joy. They remember it momentarily. The medium picks it up and then they can let it go and on to the next piece of evidence. So if you were in the spirit body and you wanted to let your loved ones hear know that you are okay first, you have to make sure they know it's you. So you have to give your loved one here evidence that they might only be the the one person that knows that type of evidence. So once you have got that message through that it is you, then and only then, Can you share why you're there? And as Phil said, it might just be to say, I love you. Mm. I heard what you said this morning. I heard what you were feeling. I hear your your prayers. I see what you're doing within your workplace. But correct, when they experience something, it's not that they are still feeling it. It's not that they are still plagued by depression or sadness or a sense of unworthiness. They're absolutely whole and hearty. Mm. Just the memory of it they bring to us. Yeah, absolutely. And if we look at this with an intelligent mind, then we can safely say in society there's a lot of commonalities, such as names, 
So in societies or generations, there's lots of Marys, there's lots of Peters, there's lots of Elizabeths. William. Better, better than the M names and the B names and all these things that we, we hear today. So we know there's general things in society. So but the if we look at the evidence they bring through, it's unique. So maybe some of these details or illnesses or passings that are not very pleasant, they bring it through as evidence that can be recognised. So if we have an audience of 2,000 people, then they're going to bring through something very specific within a couple of statements to get to that one person, maybe right at the back in the darkness, to really home in to say, this person's here. When they pass to the spirit world, they still haven't got these conditions. They don't have that mindset anymore. They're just bringing evidence because that's their job is to prove who they are. As a working medium, it'd be the easiest thing in the world to say, I just repeat what I get. For me, that would be very boring. I have to challenge the spirit world. They have to convince me of what they're saying or what they're giving or what they're showing or what I'm feeling, all those impressions that it's not of me, it's not of my creation. So when we can be sat here right now, and if you ask yourself, what would you share with somebody to prove it was you? And it's a very difficult question to answer. Some people would say names. Well, as I've just proven, names are not evidence because we all, our names are all over the place. There's more than one of us. There's more than one Philip, I believe, in the in the world. So Never. Exactly. Who would have believed it? But again, it's that understanding that they bring something unique and sometimes it's those graphic details that captures it's like oh that's definitely them so they bring it as evidence to be recognized not because they have that condition not because they have that trauma still with them when we pass to the spirit world it's a very caring loving world we're looked after that it, it it's the soul it's the and that carries the essence the personality and memories our conscious mind within it and if we look at this it's very intelligent they bring that evidence through to be recognized and Kerry said they let go of it then and they turn more into that positive side that uplifts so that evidence that sometimes we can be given that's a little bit negative to be on the safer side is just to be recognized not that they still have these conditions mm. people give the impression of People dying by suicide go to a different place than the rest of us. Absolutely. It's biggest load of rubbish out there. They still go to that loving place because I know if one of my children went that way or one of my loved ones or anybody I know, I know when I get to the spirit world, I would see them because I know it was one of my children and I was already over there. I want to open my arms to them. I want to love them. I want to give them that love that they deserve. That's one of the biggest, more most frequently asked questions yeah. we get with emails is my loved one died by suicide. Are they in the spirit world? Absolutely. And as we said earlier, a medium's job is not just about the contacts. It's about educating, letting people know that we all go to the same place. We all see that love. We all receive that love. Never leave anyone behind. Would you leave a child behind? Absolutely not. Okay. Same in the spirit world. They're always with family members. Dogs and pets are all there as well. Just one big happy family. I've been lucky that we've been doing the online classes and online Sunday gathering, and I've seen 
you guys bring through hundreds and hundreds of loved ones in that sense of humor and how it touches everybody. If somebody watching or listening right now wants to get involved and wants to put their toe in the water, they may not want to be a medium, but they want to, you know, exercise that soul and see what happens. Where would they get started? There's a number of different places because people have different things that draw them into this. On a Tuesday, Eastern time at 2 p.m. We've got a healing course that allows people to just get close to themselves to find out how they can heal self. But mostly, normally, they're interested in how they can send healing to others. That's sometimes the way that um, people come into mediumship because healing is a form of mediumship undervalued, underspoken about, and we're passionate about it. So if we wanted, most people want to send people healing and make them better, make a difference, or feel like they have made a difference. So healing on the Tuesday, that class allows them to sit within that power, feel the presence of the spirit world, and become more accustomed to the sensitivity that begins to develop naturally when we sit within that power. And then we've got on a Wednesday, mediumship level one, which we look at the psychic. A lot of people get psychic and mediumship confused. And some mediums get mediumship and psychic confused. So if you're going for a reading and you want to know about your life, about things that are happening in your life, decisions, people, places, things, it's a psychic reading. The spirit world might come in, but it will be a psychic reading predominantly that you'll be wanting. If you're wanting evidence that your spirit friends, family, loved ones, relatives are safe and happy in the spirit world, then it's an evidential mediumship reading that you would be wanting. And maybe there'll be a bit of psychic in there. Maybe the spirit world will talk about your life as well. So mediumship level one. Then after we've got people accustomed to their sensitivity growing, because it does happen where they get really sensitive and they begin to sense other people's emotions and their own emotions and the emotions of people around about, then we begin to introduce mediumship. Because mm. we look at the healing on the Tuesday, that that's all about the self and wanting to help others and, and really getting to know self and how it helps us in life, brings balance, calm through meditation, sitting in the power, mindfulness, all kinds of things. And we don't have to be spiritually aware for any of those. The Wednesday classes that we do are about the psychic faculty, about that understanding of the different levels of mediumship and, and the psychic faculty. And if we look at hand, it's got five fingers usually, unless there's something there and we're born with six or something. But actually, um, sorry, it's my sense of humour. But again, if we look at the psychic faculty, it's the whole hand with the fingers. Mediumship's just a little part of it. So the Wednesday class is really important because the more that we... I teach about the other four fingers. Exactly. So it, it's all about... Um, learning that the experience of the soul and and we're building a dictionary of expressions and emanations and learning to understand how things feel and how we perceive it um and it's almost where you're walking through a wooded area blindfolded in the middle of the night and you've got no bearing so you're edging your way through learning 
So it helps you for when you work for the spirit world, because you've got all that dictionary, all that understanding within the soul, and the spirit world can just impress upon it which parts to use. And we usually see people developing the wrong way around. They develop the mediumship and say, well, why is my mediumship not in depth? Why is it not accurate? Why can I not get this type of uh, evidence? Or why do I never get this type of contact? Well, it's because that faculty of the soul hasn't been developed. So we all aim to be the best medium, but to be the best medium, like anything in the world, you want to be the best person in to be a doctor, to be the top of the game, they have to study, they have to practice, they have to have experience, many, many years of training. The same with mediums. Mediums can be natural and medium, the term of medium is a very general one because there's different mediums out there. If we look at mediums that are prolific for demonstrating, they're clairaudient, and there's not many of them fully around. They stand out. If we talk about the late Gordon Higginson, he would stand up and he would say, I need to come to Margaret over there. I used to live on this road, and your mum's in the spirit world, and you're named after your mother, but the difference is your mother's called Margaret Ethel Williams or something. Uh, and then he'd say, well, just hold on a minute and, and you'll get somebody else to stand up who lived on the same road. So it, it's that prolificness of, of hearing and understanding pictures. And we have to learn that. It, it, it's an art. It's an art of understanding spirit communication, a, a real science of the processes and how to look at things and use things properly. So that's what the psychic faculty does. It builds that dictionary of experience. So the spirit world can make it it's easier for them to bring those experiences to our minds, to our understanding. So the Wednesday is all about that. And the Thursday is really disciplined in the sense of building a, a standard of mediumship. What should be expected, the morals, the ethics, the principles of it, and all the mechanics to help us through all kinds. But we don't just want to train one or two in a particular way. We want mediums to be well-rounded. In other words, we need them to be educated, work in different ways, understand the sensing clairsentience, the clairvoyance where we see things, clairaudience where we hear things, how it's all used and put together in different ways to really complement the spirit world that's really there to make them the better medium to be in service to the spirit world but we know there's many more people out there don't want to be mediums all they want to do is be close to their loved ones in the spirit world so it's the same journey sitting within that healing power becoming accustomed to and sensitive to the presence of the spirit world we get asked many times why did they just suddenly turn up they didn't. It's your sensitivity that increased so that you were aware of them. They were there all along. So you don't have to be wanting to be a medium. There's many more people that come to classes that actually want to find out how to get in touch with their loved ones. There's also a lot of people who are curious about what's out there. The healing speaks for itself. A lot of people take that class because it allows them to get in touch with something that opens our spirituality. Some people come to the psychic class, mediumship level one, 
and they're really curious about why they're having experiences, why synchronicities are happening, why the numbers are, are the same numbers popping up all over the place, why names are becoming apparent to them, why they're maybe getting precognition, why they're able to sense um, the history to certain things or sense when somebody's not telling them a truth. They come to find out more about the psychic faculty. And as they do that, generally, they get hooked and they come back the next series of classes because there's another little gem that lands within their soul and begins to unfold. And we've got people that have been with us for years. Now, you might think, are you not going to be the best psychic there is after four years? Quite possibly. But we have a community of people that get together once a week. We have a community of people that support one another. And if they don't turn up, somebody else reaches out and says, are you OK? We have a community of people that are all there for the wobbles that happen. I'm not the medium or I can't do this or it's too much or I'm having a really bad week and the emotions are a bit too tough or my grief is overpowering. I need a break. Then we've got a community of people that will all support one another. But we also have a mixture. So some want to be mediums. Some want to be close to their family in the spirit world. Some are naturally very curious. And some don't even know why they're there, but they love it. That's what we get told. We just love turning up. We love being there because it's a social interaction. And through COVID and lockdown, it was the only interaction many people had with a group of other human beings. It feels good to be with you guys. It just feels good. It feels right. And with the spirit world, there's enough negativity in the world. And this is positive. Time's going by really quick. And I know it's very late for you guys. I don't want to miss asking about the film that's being made, the message and why this film's in production. And then also, you've got a new iPhone app. We have. The, the, the documentary, uh, Evidence of the Afterlife, we wanted to get the message of mediumship out that it's all about inspiring the living. We wanted the education to be understood, not just about ourselves. Yes, we're the subjects of it, but it's all about that journey, what a medium's life is, the, the things that goes on, that the development. As Kerry's talked about, the community, the, the real personal development of the soul, the spiritualization of the person, but how we cross borders, not of countries, but of cultures where we travel around the world. So the film follows us everywhere, shows all the good bits, all the bad bits sort of thing, all the little things that happen, my sense of humour, um, my good looks, okay, that's my sense of humour. Um, it's all that side of things where we want to educate people to that unseen world and, and share the truths and to really open people's eyes to the question of planting seeds. Does it really exist? What else is there to life? So that documentary, hopefully, is going to show a, a completely different side of mediumship, as well as demonstrations, as well as students training, asking questions, the testimonials of the students who are training and what they're learning. It, it, it encompasses absolutely everything. And it shows how people have travelled and really believe in mediumship and that spiritualization where they'll try travel thousands of miles 
to come to a demonstration, to have uh, just a chat with us, a talk to us, and to show just really how real and normal people we are. And it's also about educating people that go for readings, mm. not necessarily people that want to be mediums in the best way to develop that mediumship, but the message of what is psychic, what is mediumship, it sounds like why is it important? Well, in essence, if the message and the evidence is coming out, doesn't matter whether it's important or not. Yes, it does. Because if a medium says, your dad is telling me that he sees you go walking by that pond, he sees you looking at the fish, he saw you catching that fish, but dad isn't there, the medium's actually working psychically and has got all that information, but is claiming dad has given them it. Maybe that lacks a bit of integrity. Now, does it matter if the sitter leaves that experience believing their dad was there and then they're comforted? Maybe not, but I would rather that same evidence be given from dad so that the medium didn't have to work psychically because when we get to the spirit world, all the truths are going to come out anyway. By the way, you know when I told you about the pond, it wasn't me. The person was working psychically. So it's about educating so that sitters can know what to expect, how much they should be paying attention to what's taking place, how much they should be paying attention to what's being said, how much they should pay attention to the information that's given and the depth of the evidence and how much they should actually say to the medium and what they can expect as the reading moves through it. So long after Phil and I have gone, hopefully we leave something behind that can forever touch somebody's life, maybe once a year, maybe once every couple of years. Somebody will pick up this documentary film and be curious enough to play it. And when they play it, it will be played at just the right time for them to be able to reflect on a reading they've had or be informed about a reading that's coming or create a curiosity that takes them to mediumship training and begin their own journey. Mm. And really that leads us into the app because the app is an extension of that. We want to reach as many people as we can with the truth of the spirit world, educate them on readings and demonstrations but also to build that community where people can come together and share their ideals, their stories. So on that app, there is all the free courses that we've done on podcast interviews. Um, they're all accessible. But all those people that have trained with us, we wanted a place where they could access them, whether they're at work, when they should be working, whether on the coach traveling or on the bus or on the train or on holiday, or they've got a bit of spare time, they can sit on their phone and they can watch the replays and they can learn and take, or if they miss a class, don't know why you would miss a class, but if you miss a class, exactly, um, you could go back and watch it and take it all in. But to keep people up to date with activities, um to allow that community as well to talk to each other yeah. in that app in a well. safe environment that's not linked to another social media platform absolutely so it, it's all about education it's all about ease of access and it, it's 
unfortunately, you find out what we're doing. There's latest news and all kinds of things. So we're just trying to keep things modern because in 2020, just before the pandemic, the spirit world or those that work with me said something, and I want to stay true to them, which was to reach out and help as many people as we can that don't want to walk into a spiritualist church or don't want to be involved in religion, but want to find a home that's spiritual, the spiritualization where they feel safe. Uh, and, and this is what the app was all about, building a community at ease that they can spend time on when they may be feeling secluded or isolated or they just need a little bit of upliftment they they can listen to courses and, and, and all those things and because we listen to feedback from people mm -hmm. some of the participants some visitors to the website said every time i go on the website i've got to go through the places and then find the place It'd be really good if i could just go to my phone and go to a place well it's here now. You can just go to your phone, go to an app and find it. How do they find it? They go to the app store and what do they type in? Just all they type in is my mediumship. It's really simple. It's like you're talking to yourself. My, my mediumship. mediumship. Correct. All That's one all. word. My mediumship. One word. Yeah. And your and website. Yes. Our website is here. Mymediumship.com. Really simple. Beautiful. Well, you guys, all I can say is thank you. I, you know, this is one of the longer interviews, but every word of it was priceless, I think. Thank you, Carrie and Phil, for spending your time with us thank today. Thank you very much. And thank you, Sandra, for all that you do on behalf of the spirit world. And I know everybody who's listening or watching this will nod when we say you make a difference. You absolutely do. And we want to say thank you for your continued support and also your friendship because it means so much to us. You're a wonderful lady, a wonderful human being that cares about not just self and your own family, but everybody out there that comes into your community. It's, you set a standard and, and that's what makes us want to keep our standards even more and keep that integrity. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. And you're most welcome. You know, when we find something we love, we can't help but share it. And that's what I do through all of these episodes and all the classes we give. I, you know, it's made my life better because when we realize that we don't die, that we go on, then it gives our life purpose. And we start that exploration of ourself and Carrie and Phil not only have their upcoming classes, but there's a whole bunch of past classes that you can take that are just on spirituality and your the spiritualization of self, I guess you'd call it, and just some really great things. So you can either go right to mymediumship.com. You can go to the My Mediumship app on the wedontdie.com website. Classes are there, also links to Carrie and Phil's website. It's all there. And a reminder, yes, our home base is wedontdie.com. If you scroll to the bottom of that page, you can enter your name and your email address. And it says you'll receive the first few chapters of my book. And the truth is, it is the entire book. Chapter 10 is what I think is the most important chapter. It's how to survive grief. Grief and the physical death of a loved one is what brings most people into this conversation. And we want to give you everything 
we have so that you are helped through that grief, that you know your loved ones are alive and you get back on track living your life. So that's at wedontdie.com. Also, you can join our free Sunday gathering. Most Sundays, Carrie and Phil are there doing our medium demonstrations. Of course, they're traveling more and more these days. So we'll have some guest mediums or maybe their students substitute when they're not there. It's free medium demonstration included. Lots of inspiration, lots of fun, good music and and more. Very, very powerful. Well, gang, in closing, I'm Sandra Champlain, and I'm always so happy to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe from the bottom of my heart that our life here is education for our soul. We've, we're meant to learn. We're meant to experience. We're meant to love. We're meant to have fun. We're meant to grow. We're meant to help other people you know, we can continue our journey when we cross over, but why not do a whole bunch while we're here? You know, have fun, uh, enjoy and love, and just know that in this invisible space around us, yes, I started off this episode with that, but radio waves are here, GPS waves, television signals. There's so much more. Yes, we are living our loved ones are alive and we will see them again. So I'm Sandra Champlain. Thank you for listening to or watching. We don't die radio. We'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.